Good morning for Oaks Church. It is Pastor Paul. It is a Wednesday, October 25th. So glad that you have joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. If you're new to this, here's essentially what we endeavor to do each and every week. We take 10 or 15 minutes, Monday through Friday, and we unpack a portion of God's Word. And it is typically that passage of Scripture that we're going to be preaching on for the upcoming Sunday. So in this way, you're not just receiving sort of after the fact a theological download, but hopefully as we work through this passage together, you're getting some tools so that you can be a student of the Word of God yourself, that we can sort of work through the passage together and that this will help uh, equip you as you study God's Word uh, for your own. So, so that's what we're doing. And of course, this week, we're in what might be one of the most controversial passages in all the Bible, and sometimes one of the most misunderstood, but certainly the most feared, because we're of course talking about the unforgivable sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And so let me read the passage for us, and then just briefly review where we've been, and then um, continue forward into the text. All right, so this is Matthew 12, verse 22. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house." Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. When we first started digging into this passage, we talked about the importance of letting Scripture interpret Scripture. So as one of my old seminary profs used to say, you can quote Scripture and commit heresy, right? Um, we need to not only understand um, what a particular passage means in its particular context, when it was written, how it was written, what it was written, to, who it was written to, but we need to understand what the whole scope of Scripture um, has to say about that specific topic. And, and so these two things we always need to hold in tension, and we can fall off the horse one side or the other. Sometimes we can be in sort of enslaved to a theological system, which um, sort of uh, the, the, the tail wags the dog when we come to a text and we sort of force feed the text through our own uh, theological grid. On the other hand, sometimes we can, um, we, we can become so immersed in the text and so myopic with it that we don't understand uh, the whole scope of Scripture. And so we have to hold these things in tension. 
This is super important when it comes to a passage like this on forgiveness. Because when we read here that there is a sin that God does not forgive, that obviously grabs our attention because of all the many other things we hear in Scripture about how God does forgive sin. And not only does he forgive sin, but Jesus even makes a point of saying he forgives sin in this text, right? So last time we talked about, or I asked you to really to think about, what are all the sins that Jesus says that God does forgive, okay, in, in this text? And, and he mentions several. He says, um, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. Uh, he says, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. And so when we think about that list of sins that we in our minds and hearts thinks, think might be unforgivable or the worst things that we could do, even blasphemy against God and Christ, all of these are forgivable. It's just this one thing about speaking against the Holy Spirit. And so we're asking, of course, what is this? What, what, does, it, what does it mean? And we left off last time by talking about it, it seemingly has something to do with attributing the work of Christ, not to Christ, but instead to, to Satan. And, and, and we want to kind of take that premise and really unpack it here, because that's the accusation, right? That, that Jesus um, is casting out demons by the authority of Satan himself. And, and here you can see the, the theological corner that the Pharisees have painted themselves into, because even they can recognize that to heal a, a man who is mute and blind and demon-possessed, no mere man can do this. This is clearly a supernatural thing. Well, of course they can't say, this man, Jesus, is from God. That, that totally blows their cover. That, 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 that puts them in an untenable position in their minds of having to actually confess their sin and repent. No, they, they shovel this supernatural act off to Satan himself. That's their accusation. And here, this morning, we want to look at, here for these next few minutes, what is Jesus's response to this, okay? So before we can really fully unpack the, the nature of the unforgivable sin and its relationship to us, we need to understand very clearly what Jesus says in response to this. And the, he, I think he says three things, essentially. Look, first of all, he says, and, and when he says knowing their thoughts, I mean, Jesus knows our thoughts. Jesus knows the intentions of their heart, and he speaks accordingly. The first thing he says, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How will then his kingdom stand? And, and this, is just, this is just common sense, right? Um, if you have, this is like some kind of like Mission Impossible movie where you've got one team of, of, of agents working to one end, but then you've got another team of espionage agents working to another other end to subvert the first team, but they're all both working for the same goal. That, that doesn't make sense, right? Um, it's, it's counterproductive. And Jesus is saying, well, well, this is crazy, right? Because if, if, if Satan is against himself, if, if Satan is marshalling his own forces to take himself down, Satan is a rather stupid supernatural being. And we know that's not true. All right. We, we know that 
He is prowling around like a roaring lion. He's sneaky. He's deceitful. He's the father of lies. He's crafty as the, as the serpent in the garden. And Jesus says, of course, um, you're not going to, to, to win the battle, take the city on a hill if your troops are fighting one another. So that, that, that's his first point. His second point is, verse 27, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. So, so he's probably referencing here um, the idea that, in fact, scribes, Pharisees, other religious leaders, prophets in the Old Testament tradition certainly cast out demons, certainly performed exorcisms, and this was commonly understood and accepted by the people. And when this happened, everyone understood what was happening. The kingdom of God has come. This is the power of God. No one ever accused anybody else, a prophet or even a Pharisee or a scribe, of casting out demons by demons. They, they knew that this power to cast out came from, came from God. The thing that would lead them to say it's different for Jesus Okay, it doesn't have to do with the evidence. It has to do with their hearts. It has to do with the fact that there, there is a built-in predisposition and bias against Jesus by the religious leaders. It doesn't matter what he does or what he says. They're going to find a way to not bend the knee. We're going to really find this out when they again ask him a few chapters later to, to, to bring fire down from heaven. They, they ask for a sign, and Jesus says, I'm not going to give you a sign. Your hearts are too hard. The third response Jesus has, and this is verse 29, he says this, How can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed, he may plunder his house. And so you may have remembered the old um, Reebok commercials where, or Under Armour, it's w w one of these shoe places. Anyway, they basically say, um, you know, the, their guys are getting ready to run out on the field and they're getting in the huddle, the football players, and they're, and they're shouting, we must protect this house, right? And in order to protect this house, that means you have to be better. You have to be stronger. You have to be faster and, or else you're not going to win. And then Jesus is essentially saying the same thing. Look, unless someone stronger than Satan comes along, and bind Satan, Satan can't be bound. So the fact that I'm binding him should tell you something. I'm not only am I not Satan, but I am greater than, than Satan. And then, then he ends with this, this remark. And I think this is a pivot point for, for where we'll take up next time as to, as to what this unforgivable sin really entails. He says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. And here he's making it crystal clear that there is no middle ground with Jesus. There is no playing footsie. There is, there, there's no playing theological games like they're doing. Um, that, that Jesus has come, um, yes, as a suffering servant, as we saw last week, but, all, but, but also as a, as, a, as a strong, powerful uh, prophet of God who has been given authority over every disease, over every illness, over death itself, over the supernatural world, and that because of this, we are called, all of us, to attention. We are, we are called to, 
to render our own verdict and our own decision. And Jesus reminds us that there is no spiritual neutrality. Um, we are with, either with him um, or at aligning ourselves with him in faith and repentance, confessing, submitting ourselves to him, or we stand outside of a relationship with him. So I think, so, so, so that's Jesus's response. And now I think we are ready to, to kind of put a finer point on this idea of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and I think it goes something like this. Um, as much as blasphemy of the Spirit is, is, is according to, is, is reckoning to Satan things that, um, that only God can do, okay? It's a continual hardness of heart. It's a steely resolve to, to, to it, it's a refusal to recognize Jesus no matter how compellingly and clearly um, he presents himself as the Messiah, the anointed one, the, the son of God. And of course, that leads to all sorts of questions. Um, can a Christian commit the unpardonable sin? Can a Christian be justified? Short answer, no. <laughs> can, a, can a justified Christian commit the unpardonable sin? The short answer is no, of course. But again, what, what, what does this tell us? Who, who's in danger of committing uh, the blasphemy against the Spirit? How do we recognize it when we see it? These are all things that we're going to delve into tomorrow. So hope to see you then. But for now, let me pray and commit our day to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we see that you are powerful and you are effective and that you have bound the strong man, Satan, that your kingdom is not divided against itself. But Lord, you have authority because you are king. And so, Lord, we want to rightly align our hearts um, in faith and repentance to you. Lord, we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, everybody. Thanks. See you manana.